She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and you are in for a treat. We have Dr. Crystal with us. She's a naturopath doctor and we are going to be talking about coffee enemas. We're going to be talking about how to banish the bloat and we're going to talk about the root cause of all health issues which start in the gut. So Dr. Crystal, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. It's going to be yeah. fun. <laughs> well, one of the things I love that you always say is heal your gut, change your life, which is so good. And you have dedicated your entire career to helping people fix IBS, SIBO, skin conditions, hormonal imbalances. So we're super excited. Um, but first, I want to talk a little bit about uh, coffee enemas. So I know you're a big fan of coffee enemas. So I want to talk about what got you started with that what some of the pros are, what some of the cons are of doing coffee enemas. Okay. Um, so I have a, I have a long history. Uh, I was really, I wasn't really well as a kid. I, it started with not being breastfed and then it went into many antibiotics because of ear infections, the typical story you hear. And um, because of that, it led me to a lot of conditions that brought me in and out of doctor's appointments and trying to figure out the knee pain, the chronic yeast infection, the chronic immune system issues, the bloating, the diarrhea. I mean, the list goes on and on. And uh, I just pushed through. I, I became a varsity athlete and I just was given pain medications, medications that you should not be putting a 19-year-old on, like medications like Celebrex, Vioxx, Bextra, and then they all got pulled off the shelves and the new ones came through. So by the time I was in my 20s, my gut condition was terrible. My pain was just, I couldn't actually move without Advil every day. So I was saving the really hardcore pills for my big games. And then finally, I just quit. I quit sports. I dove into medicine and I wanted to be a medical doctor, but I just felt like the system had failed me. And so I was trying to find something different. Didn't know about naturopathic medicine at the time. Uh, so I did a master's in biochemistry. And then what that did is it really helped me to understand how to go deep, how to really understand things at the cellular level so that I could really start to figure things out for myself. So then eventually I found naturopathic medicine. And then through, uh, through those four years of education, I started to heal myself. Um, it's not until I met my husband that I found coffee enemas. So I thought my gut was good. My bloating was good. You know, I was feeling all right. I had my first uh, son and... I was doing really well. And within, I think it was about five months, we decided to go on a vacation and I was pumping. So I was able to do that for a few days. So I, that sets the story because to leave your five month old with your parents, you didn't have anxiety. Like you were good. I, I was good mentally. I was okay. I was happy. I was energetic. I came home from that trip with Hawaii and I started to experience this fatigue, this anxiety, this depression, things I had never really experienced at this level before crawling up the stairs because I was so tired, like asking myself, how am I going to pick up this baby right now, let alone breastfeed him? The milk started to decline. So I started to get really worried. My husband at one point looked at me and said, I think, I think you need to ask for help. Like something is going on. 
I was doing IVs every week and the IVs were just taking the edge off. It was helping, but it wasn't enough. And then one day through his own research, he he's a pilot and he was researching parasites and he had traveled the world and he was worried about parasites. And in my training, parasites were mentioned, but they weren't something we really learned about in school. It wasn't something that we dove into. So when he mentioned parasites, my brain went to, you go do that weird stuff that you're going to do over there with parasites. And I just sort of dismissed him. So then one day comes home with this enema and this kid and he's doing an enema. And, and then he called me. And what do I see? I see a tapeworm. I see about three feet of a tapeworm. So when I saw that, I realized here's this healthy, healthy-ish guy and a tapeworm came out of him. I better do one and I'll see if I have one. Mind you, he was on a parasite protocol at the time. I wasn't. I did the enema and I did one every day and every single day, two to three feet of this tapeworm came out of me too. And so, and that's just what we measured. Bless that man's heart. He took that out and measured it for me, but that's just what I measured. Um, so that was my first introduction to coffee enemas. I'd never really known about it. It wasn't talked about. This was probably eight years ago. And all my friends thought it was weird. My colleagues were not jumping on board. And I started to apply it to my patients because I will say that after about two weeks, maybe a week to two weeks, Chantal, my depression, my anxiety, my bloat, my, my energy, it was like somebody had taken of the curtains and just opened them up. And I went, I can't believe how I feel. And this is just three enemas because I stopped after the third one. I just gotten a little bit, you know, um, I needed a break. You could tell, oh, we'll talk about that. You can tell you're done. You did a break from an enema when your body just goes, nah, I'm done. So I took a break and then still was experiencing the benefits. Um, so I started to apply this with my patients. And one story that always just inspires me and continues me, continues um, allowing me to really promote these is I had this patient who was bipolar. She actually wasn't coming to help. I, she wasn't asking me for help with her bipolar. It was for her gut. And we started to do enemas. And she said about one week of doing the enemas, her depressive uh, phase had gone away. Her, de her depressive like phase had gone away. She was only in ever her manic phase. And, and she said, I'm not sure if that's just coincidence. I'm just going to like wait this out. Sure enough, two months later, three months later, she never gets these symptoms again. She weans off of her medication and she's a completely new woman about four months after. And so how drastic of a reaction it was for her was a kind of a blow to the face. Like how many people are walking around with all of these mental health issues? And I'm not saying everybody has tapeworm and that's the cause of mental health issues. I'm saying, but how many might be walking around, not just with gut issues, gut issues with regards to, you know, needing more probiotics. Sometimes it's as simple as that, yes. But there's others that have tried everything. They've tried the probiotics. They've tried the fermented foods. They've tried the castor oil pack. They've tried taking antimicrobial herbs. And they've tried and they've tried. And it doesn't seem to just take them to that place that they're looking for. And I've found coffee enemas to be that catalyst. Like it, it is a game changer if that is what is going on for you. And there's so many reasons for that we can get into. But that's that's exactly why I got into it. Wow. Yeah. So let me ask you, um, as far as, you know, a lot of people listening on this call, you know, they've tried probiotics, fermented food, avoiding food sensitivities, fasting, vitamin injections, glutamine, like they've tried all of these things. Yeah. 
and they're just not getting better. So with that, let's talk about on a scale of one to 10, like I know you've got obviously so many protocols. If you had to say with the coffee enemas, as far as like, okay, the first, you know, like the most important thing is this, then this, then this, where does coffee enemas fit into that? That's a great question because I actually try to experiment with that. And I have found that you should not start with a coffee enema. You might get lucky. Somebody might argue with me and say, no, I didn't. I feel great. You might get lucky. And by lucky, I mean, you may not have this complicated system with different infections in your body that we have to address first. So yeah, you might get lucky. Coffee enemas might just do the trick. But I've found most people, and remember, most people who come to me are pretty sick. They already have tried everything. So people like this, we need to start with making sure that the system is properly functioning. So we've talked about, you know, low stomach acid, gallbladder function, kidney elimination. By not addressing your body and its organs and making sure that is properly functioning and identifying where the issues might reside, then you might end up with a dump of toxins in the colon after you do an enema and not have the ability to, through your other organs of elimination, to assist you, to help you with that elimination. So we can't just rely on the coffee enema. So I usually take people through that phase first. It's not a long, or a long phase. Maybe it's a couple weeks to four weeks. And then after that phase, I take them through a diet, a diet that really um, restricts foods that these infections feed on. And that's a whole other thing we can get into uh, maybe at another date. But this diet just helps with starving them. It doesn't kill them. It's not the point of this treatment. It's just to remove the food source um, at a, at a, a small scale. And then we go into the antimicrobial herbs because we want to we want to really stress them. We want to create an environment that is not conducive to their reproduction. And so by stressing them, by removing the food, we stress them with antimicrobial herbs. And then once we've done that for a few weeks, we throw in the enemas. And then the enemas, what they do is they allow the exit. They allow, so imagine you're in an apartment building and you really don't like living there and you've been wanting to leave for a while. And then somebody goes, here you go. I'm just going to let, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to assist you and I'm going to bring you to a new place. You would take that ticket and you would go. So that's kind of how I see the enemas where you're preparing the system, getting ready for that exit. And then the enemas just let her rip. Um, so I would say it's probably in that second to third phase of the healing stage. And then once the enemas have really helped with removing and eliminating a lot of toxins and parasites and different things, different pathogens, then we go into another phase of repair. And that's when the glutamines come in and the fermented foods and the probiotics. A lot of people can't tolerate probiotics because they're full of these infections. They're full of these pathogens. So I found it to be a lot more, um, a lot more beneficial to go through this phase, like these phases, before just throwing coffee enemas in. Now, for the very impatient person who just wants to try it, you can just do that. You, they're safe enough that you can just try it. And if you feel worse, then that's your sign that you do need to go through these phases before really doing them daily um, to start eliminating these toxins. So when someone looks at their poop, like it's funny because I said to my son, my poor 12-year-old son, I and I do it to my husband too. I'm like, let me look at your poop. So I'm like, don't flush. <laughs> your husband, like, so, he lets you, and, and he lets me. Yeah, he's like, okay. 
Different, so, you know, different times you see different things like maybe like, you know, particles in the in the poop where, it's, you know, you see food, undigested food particles yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so first of all, when let's just back up for a second. So like give some examples of like when someone should be concerned when they're looking at their poop. So like what is that? You know, like here's an ideal poop. Here's some different things. If you've got this, then you might have SIBO. Or if, you, if your poop looks like this, it might be something else. Okay. Um, okay. So let's start with describing what a normal poop looks like first. So I like to describe it as a banana. Let's say you've peeled this banana. It's solid. It does not have to be that S shape that Dr. Oz always talked about. Most people don't actually get the S shape. So as long as it's one solid piece or a couple solid pieces, and it's soft like a banana, not too, not harder, not softer. Um, and then it should sink. It shouldn't float. If it starts to float, you're looking at extra fat that's not being properly broken down, which to me is an indication that you will likely need a coffee enema. And we'll talk about the connection between coffee enemas and bile acid in that, that piece. So it should not float. It should sink. There shouldn't be any oil on the water. There shouldn't be any undigested food. Um, there shouldn't be any streaks on the toilet bowl uh, where we call like the, the marks. We call that sticky stool. It shouldn't take that long to wipe one or two wipes. It's a clean exit. Um, it, it, so if somebody, let's say somebody is like they say a hyper wiper, they just have to keep wiping and wiping and wiping. And yeah. it's sticky. What does that mean that they probably have? That likely means undigested fat. So they likely have more fat in the stool, which is proper, not being properly broken down by the bile acid, which is made by the liver and released by the gallbladder, which is where the coffee enemas come in. Um, on top of that, there's also mucus that we see in the stool, like phlegm mucus, that kind of like sludgy look. That tells me you have an infection. Mucus essentially is biofilm. So imagine you've not brush your teeth for a few days and you start to feel that film on your teeth. I <laughs> see you wiping your teeth. <laughs> Why did I brush my teeth? <laughs> uh, so that biofilm is a sign that you have accumulated bacteria, right? Because you didn't brush your teeth. So now the bacteria gets clumped together and it builds and it builds and it makes that biofilm. Biofilm is what blocks a lot of people who have stubborn gut issues. It's biofilm that blocks the herbs the par antiparasitics, the antibiotics, whatever you're trying to take, it blocks the penetration of those herbs, of those medications to get to the actual pathogen you're trying to address. And that's the point. So then if, if you do have mucus and then you have, all, you're trying to take these herbs, but that mucus is blocking it, then what do you do? You got to get rid of the biofilm. Well, coffee enemas, but I would also, and this is why I say it's not just coffee enemas. You want to take some biofilm disruptors. So some, there are some great ones. Um, one of my favorite ones is NAC. It's a phase one biofilm disruptor and acetylcysteine. Many people are familiar with it because of everything that happened with COVID. It's a mucus breaker. That's why it was so useful in COVID or any upper respiratory tract infections because of its ability to break up mucus and phlegm, biofilm. So NAC is really good. It's a really safe one. It doesn't really interact with many things. Um, and then phase two, my favorite phase two is the therapeptase. So now I use those two often, but I also like oregano and Alimax, which are antimicrobial herbs, but they also work as biofilm disruptors too. So when you do that alongside a coffee enema, now you're able to break up the film and then the coffee enema just assists with the exit. 
Love it. So that's a normal poop. So that's, you don't want that mucus. You don't, I mean, when you start doing these things, you start to see more mucus, of course, which is great because now you know you're eliminating it. But prior to doing all of this, if you're seeing a lot of phlegm, maybe you have sinusitis, uh, maybe you just have a lot of mucus. Um, that is a sign that there are potentially infections and we need to break those up with the biofilm disruptors and antimicrobials. Um, and then other things you shouldn't see in the poop would be obviously blood. Like that is the biggest red flag. If you see something red, you should have that checked out. It may be nothing. It may be that you ate beets. This happens a lot. It may be liver flukes, which are things that the coffee enema helps with removing liver flukes. How do you know if you have liver flukes? It's really hard to know. I was telling a patient the other day, unless you want to take that liver fluke, send it off to a lab and have them analyze it. You really, It's really hard to know. Um, the best way would be I see them through the enemas. It comes out looking almost like there's different stages of them. So they'll either look like a little mini jellyfish or they'll look like a strawberry that kind of got mushed up. Sometimes they're dehydrated and it looks like a tomato skin that's kind of wrapped up. The point is, is it won't just come one. There won't just be one. There'll be a few. So if you do see something red, it would be smart to take that out, look through. I know it sounds disgusting. Every time I tell a patient this, I see their face going, you want me to do what? You want me to take a fork and look through my poop? But honestly, if you do and you pick that apart and you see a bunch of red little jellyfish or little red spots and you go, I think I ate peppers or tomatoes. And if you're not sure, Stop eating those things. Stop eating anything red. And then look again. And if it's still there, it's probably liver fluke. But I find they get a little um, stuck. They don't come out that naturally. You'll see them more so when the stool is loose, sir, or when you're doing the coffee enemas, which are forcing them out because it's creating that pressure. It's creating that pressure to push uh, the bile ducts. to they, they dilate the bile ducts and then it pushes them out. And that's why you end up seeing so many. And I'm familiar with them because I see them in my babies. When my son was two years old, I was changing his diaper. And all of a sudden, it was full of red little things. And had I not known what I know, I would have assumed it was something he ate because they just look red. But I knew what I knew. And I pulled them out. And sure enough, they were a whole bunch of liver flukes. I stopped counting because there were so many of them. So, yeah. You guys, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know I've been talking about Masszymes, which is a digestive enzyme from Bioptimizers. And I want you to know that here's the thing. For me, having a digestive enzyme is a game changer because one of the biggest things that happens to me is I get really tired after my meal if I don't do it. And I have a problem with nutrient absorption. So if you could be eating the cleanest diet ever, but if you're not absorbing it, that's an issue. So this month they're doing a really great special and you're gonna get a free bottle of the digestive enzymes from Bioptimizers. And so all you have to do is pay a nominal shipping fee. That's it, no other strings attached. It's the best thing ever. So get your free bottle of digestive enzymes. It's called Masszymes. Go to masszymes.com slash wasteaway free and use the coupon code wasteaway10. That's it. So masszymes.com slash wasteaway free. Use the coupon wasteaway10. It's awesome. So I guess, you know, you are a naturopath doctor and so let's say you went to the a regular doctor and they said um you know i have liver flukes then wouldn't they mostly contact like 
wouldn't they do like some kind of antibiotic for something like that or a short short uh, course of like some kind of cortic like some kind of steroids or something or what would what would the the medical uh, department do and what would a naturopathic doctor do? Right. So it really depends on your doctor. Um, I have a funny story and it's not anything against my doctor, but it, to show the lack of awareness of their knowledge on parasites. So when my tapeworm came out, tape, a tapeworm, it literally looked like toilet paper and it, and I had pictures of it and I came with the pictures and um, I said, I'd like an antiparasitic. I'd like something for tapeworm, like ivermectin or something. And uh, he said, well, let's do a stool test first. And I said, it looks like it came out. Looks like the stool test. It might not be positive. Many stool tests do not come back positive. There's so many false negatives when it comes to stool tests. And this is what they start with. Let's do a stool test. So then you do the stool test. It comes back negative. It comes back negative most of the time. And that's because parasites are stealthy. They don't like hang out there all the time. They're hanging out in the liver, the bile ducts. They're hanging out in other places and crevices so they can, you know, hide and not be attacked all the time. So they and they also come out at different times of the month. Full moon protocols. I'm sure you've heard of those. There's a reason for that. We're 70 percent water. We know that we're influenced by the moon. Think of the surfers that will follow the moon. So we know that parasites are more active around full moon. So the stool test comes back likely negative. Um, and then my doctor looks at these three tests and goes, I can't prescribe this for you. It's negative. And I go, but look at these pictures. Like, it's it's right here. And he goes, I, I don't mean to offend, but did you potentially eat toilet paper? And my husband and I just looked at each other. And then I, at first I went, oh, maybe he's joking. And I chuckled. And he straight faced. And I went, you're serious? Like, you think I ate toilet paper? I know it. First of all, just let's look at the like science. That toilet paper would not have made itself through and still stayed intact. Let's just let's just start with that. Let's pretend I actually ate toilet paper. So he he still couldn't get on board with the fact that I might have had a tapeworm because we're in a developed country. We're not living in third world countries that you have more susceptibility to these parasites. And that's the lie, the lie that we're protected here. And only the ones that travel get these parasites. But they're prevalent everywhere. So to answer your question, depends on the doctor. So that particular doctor, no. Some doctors, yes, they'll say, it won't hurt. Let's just go with an antiparasitic, not an antibiotic. An antibiotic will address only bacteria, bacterial infection. So it'll be an antiparasitic like an ivermectin. There are some specific ones for liver flukes that exist, but ivermectin is very broad spectrum. So that one there tends to address a lot. So usually a doctor who, um, has an understanding of that, we'll just, why not try the ivermectin? It's not going to hurt you. Um, and then a naturopathic doctor, we can't prescribe antiparasitics like that, like ivermectin. We'll prescribe things like oregano, uh, garlic. And so it really depends on the naturopath. For myself, I'm very aggressive. I don't just prescribe two pills of garlic. We're taking six to eight to 12 pills of garlic. We are attacking this. And that's the Alimac, right? I love Alimax. Yeah. But I mean, there's other garlics too. I just like the Allicin. I don't want to give people the whole clove because if you also have SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and you have a parasite, you likely have SIBO too. They kind of come hand in hand. And so if you've got SIBO, you're going to react to garlic. A lot of people who have SIBO say, I can't digest garlic, can't digest onions. 
apples kill me. So I don't want to give a whole clove, which is why I give the allicin, which is in the Alimax. It's just the extract of the garlic. So then there's natural things too. Like a tapeworm protocol could be eating pumpkin seeds. You eat like a half a cup of pumpkin seeds to three quarter cup of pumpkin seeds. You take a laxative two hours later and the pumpkin seeds are supposed to stun the tapeworm and out it goes. Now, do I do that protocol? I don't do that that often. I'm not sure how well that works. I really like the enemas and I like the antimicrobials. But there's people that swear by that protocol. There's people who use diatomaceous earth. There's people that use all kinds of different things. And I'm not against any of them. It's really what works for you at that time. Alongside biofilm disruptors, drainage supports, you know, all kinds of things to assist with what we're doing. What what are some of the best drainage support? Um, I, it really, okay, so that coffee enemas. I really love the coffee enemas for the liver gallbladder. But when it comes to just starting before you want to start with the coffee enemas, I like to use, and this is controversial, but I really like to use homeopathics like Unda's. Um, that comes from a company like what? called Astra. Say that again. Unda's, U-N-D-A. I really like them. Uh, some people use Recoing. It's another company. They're homeopathics and they just facilitate the cells to just start to move and um, excrete their contents and create that balance, the equilibrium between the cells and the blood and the lymphatic system. So that's a milder approach. Um, otherwise, we're using things like milk thistle. I'm using lymphatic movement, so lymph, um, dry skin brushing. Um, oh, I want to say something about that milk. Dry skin brushing? I'm scared to death to take milk thistle. Oh. I've taken it twice and I literally got hives all over my body. But I think it's because my liver's so bad and my gut is so bad that I'm not, I'm just not in a place that I could take milk thistle because I've only done it twice. I've, if you do it once, like maybe it's a, you know, coincidence, but I've taken it t- one other time and I got hives and I was like, my liver must be in really bad shape, yeah, which I'm is crazy because I never drink at all. Like I've never been a drinker. I've never been like, but I mean, yeah. there's other reasons. Yeah. Why, uh, no, you're right. The other stuff. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not the type of practitioner that has this protocol and you fall into this and you have to follow it verbatim. If somebody like yourself did come in and say that, and I'm noticing you're just not tolerating supplements, it doesn't matter what we do, which is why I like the undas, they're drops, so we don't have to worry too much. But even then, if we just can't move because we're stuck, because you're not absorbing these nutrients, these supplements, you have low stomach acid, like it's just not moving, I might resort to a low dose, like a low concentration enema to get things going because it's coming from the other way. You don't have to rely on digestion, on stomach acid, on or any digestion at all. You're coming from the other way. It's coming through the portal vein. And so you're addressing the liver gallbladder directly. And what it's doing is it's making, like I mentioned, the, the duct dilate so that your bile acid can flow through and you need that bile acid to break down anything supplement food bile acid specifically breaks down um fat so if you have if you're somebody who has hormonal imbalances you've got acne skin issues or like yourself you know you have low stomach acid um then your bile acid is crucial to increase because Imagine you're eating all this amazing fat. You've got avocados and nuts and you're hoping to make hormones. All hormones come from fat. 
right? Fat then turns into cholesterol, cholesterol turns into these hormones. And so when this fat comes in, the bile acid is supposed to break that down and then you make your hormones. But if you're not able to do that, you're not making hormones, your cholesterol is building up, so you have high cholesterol, and you're not able to make fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A, vitamin K, E, and D. And we have this like massive epidemic of vitamin D deficiency. Yes, like here in Canada, a lot of us are low in vitamin D because there's not a lot of sun. But there's a lot of people that in the summer I test and they're outside all day and they're still not able to make enough vitamin D. And so sometimes I will do the coffee enema a little earlier. I won't do the whole, the whole steps because I'll just want to fast forward this bile acid production because the bile acid is in direct reflection with the health of the stomach as well. So they kind of send, they send feedbacks to each other. So if you don't have enough bile acid, it sends a feedback to the stomach because it says, hey, I'm, I'm lacking here. When you dump your food bolus inside, it's too acidic and I can't compensate by making this more neutral. So you got to pull back. It's too acidic. You got to pull back your stomach acid. So once you start to fix your liver gallbladder, you start to indirectly also support your stomach as well. And sometimes I'll do both at the same time because without a lot of stomach acid, as you know, you're not able to break down anything. So yeah, it's, it's coffee enemas, fast forwarded. So there are ways to do it a little earlier if you need to. So let's talk about how to do the coffee enemas. So yeah. give us the basic coffee enema recipe and kind of walk us through what they need to do. Okay. So we are requiring a stainless steel pot, distilled water, and coffee. Now, we want stainless steel. We don't want any Teflon. We don't want any anything that's going to leach into our enema. Uh, we want a coffee that is specific for coffee enemas. So we don't want to go to the grocery store and just buy the organic coffee off the shelf. We want a mold-free coffee. That's very important. Definitely organic. And we want it to be enema coffee because we don't want it roasted. The more it's roasted, the less caffeine it has. So the lighter the roast, the better. And then some people even go with green coffee beans as well. So um, I'll park that topic uh, and we'll come back to it with regards to green coffee and uh, roasted coffee. So you get your coffee. Uh, I prefer the light roast. I've had people say to me, when you are very sensitive, you might want to go darker roast because you're sensitive to caffeine. I've not found that for people. I've just found it to be important to reduce the concentration. So you've got your coffee. Well, I want to say this because you recommended yeah. a certain brand to me. Tell everyone yeah. the brand that you recommended. Yeah, I, I have a soft spot for S.A. Wilson's. And yeah, and, and what happens is, is I, I brewed the coffee and it's a totally different color. And she told me like this company, S.A. Wilson's Gold Roast Coffee, it it is only for like you don't drink this. This is only for like, does anyone actually drink this? No. <laughs> they don't say that. Like if you go, if you go to their site, like if you go to S.A. Wilson's Gold Roast. Yeah. They don't say anything like this coffee is only for coffee enemas. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, there's also Pure Life that people have used. This one's also organic. And I think it says enema. Yeah. Coffee enema store. So I have had people in the U.S. Um, order from them. And I've also had and used um, Core Vital. Um, 
they are the ones that make the green coffee. Um, so they have all the different options, but they do make the green coffee. So the reason why that's important, I guess I'll just jump into it now, is because there was research done around green versus roasted. And the green, this research was done on green that showed that coffee enemas increased glutathione production. So glutathione is your king of all antioxidants. It what It's what grabs onto free radicals. It helps with aging. It helps with detoxing anything and everything. So it is the king of antioxidants. People go to get IVs and get glutathione pushes. You can't take glutathione orally because it's so potent as a free radical. It won't work. It needs to be IV or you need to make it yourself. And the best way, according to this paper, was through this green coffee. But no other research was done around the roasted coffee. So we don't know. There's just not a lot of research around it. But those that have done the green versus the roasted really prefer the green. However, I have a soft spot for S.A. Wilson's because it was the first one I had ever tried, the one I used for myself. And then I did it for a few years until I started to dabble in others. And then when I did, I found people were not getting the same um, things in the toilet that they were getting with the S.A. Wilson's. And then I've come to realize after was because it was the lighter roast. So it is higher in caffeine, palmitic acid, uh, and it's, it's just for enemas versus when you roast, you remove a lot of antioxidants. You remove a lot of these nutrients from the coffee. So that's, that's my preference. Um, so we've got the coffee and we've got our distilled water, our pot. So you're going to decide how potent you want it. And that's what I meant by it doesn't matter if you get the lower caffeine one, just lower your concentration of the light roast if you want lower caffeine. So you can do between a half of a tablespoon to three tablespoons. Nobody really goes past three tablespoons. It's not necessary. It's quite enough. So for each batch, you're making a liter because you want to insert a liter inside of you. So you're going to boil um your water with, let's pretend it's the max dose. So we'll say three tablespoons of coffee. Now, after that's done boiling, you're boiling that for about five minutes. You're letting it cool for about 12 to 18 minutes or not cool, sorry, simmer. So you're boiling it for five, then you're letting it simmer for about, we'll say 15 minutes. And then once it's done simmering, you turn it off and then you let it cool. So with the cooling process, if you want to do the enema immediately, then you want to try and quicken the cooling down process because putting hot coffee in your body, I know it sounds common sense to you and to me, but to a lot of people, it's not common sense. And if you look up what's dangerous about coffee enemas and all of these articles online and research papers that say, don't do enemas, they're dangerous. A lot of these people inserted hot coffee and created burns and got colitis. So it seems common sense to us, but not necessarily to everybody. So that's where when you're reading about coffee enemas, really read it properly because if it's done safely and you're doing it with a practitioner and you're, you're following the instructions, there's really no, nothing dangerous about them. Now, mind you, there are contraindications. And I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but if you're a healthy-ish person, then they should be fine. Um, so now you've got this coffee. I've had people pour it into a mason jar put it in a bowl of ice and let it cool down that way. I've had people just let it sit on the stove overnight and then it cools down all night and then they grab it the next morning and they do it in the morning. Just make sure it's covered. Um, I've had people as you're boiling. Well, I want to say, I want to say yeah. something about that. So I did that. Yeah. I covered it and it seemed like it got some little white, 
like things on the top of it. So I was concerned I let it sit for like 24 hours or so out. And then I was thinking, maybe I shouldn't use this because it's kind of, it was creating, getting something kind of sitting on top of it because yeah. then I was going to add hot water. So would you say you'd just put it in the refrigerator for, make sure you put it in the refrigerator? That's how I've always done it. I've never done it that way, but I've had people say they've done it that way and they've never mentioned that. So I wonder, I wonder what that's about. I wonder if it's here, the palmetic acid. We have to do. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but we are going to make this a part one and a part two. Okay. So um, tell listeners where they can find you, where they can follow you. You guys stay tuned. We are going to do another episode. We're going to finish the rest of this out. This is only part one. Don't worry. You're going to get to see the rest of it. So tell listeners where what your website is and tell them how they can get this free download for the coffee enema. Yeah. So you can go to my website. It's drcrystalnd.com. So it's D-R and then crystal is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-A-L. ND, as in naturopathicdoctor.com. So drcrystalnd.com. So they can go there. They can fill out um, a request uh, form, or they can just email me directly at info at drcrystalnd.com. And then we can send you the actual recipe. So that recipe was created between S.A. Wilson's and just I added my own piece to it as well. Uh, and it's a great way to get started. But I would always say if you're going to start an enema, just make sure you have somebody uh, following you, a practitioner, a medical doctor, an aesthetic doctor, somebody who knows what they're doing so that they can guide you to do it properly and know how to interpret the results and to troubleshoot if you get in trouble or get into some areas where you're feeling extra tired from the enema. These are things that are normal but can be prevented. So awesome. Yeah. Well, you guys stay tuned. We've got her part two coming up in just a few. Bye bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.